Welcome to a Copa America edition of the Planet Football Podcast. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer Grant Wall and SI.com's Brian Strauss. Gentlemen, the field at Copa America is down to two, and it's the same two uh, that it was down to last year. Argentina and Chile will play for the championship on Sunday at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, guys, you were at Argentina's semifinal victory over the United States in Houston, and I want to talk about that with you first before we look ahead to the final. Uh, Grant, I, I want to start with you, and I want to start with Lionel Messi uh, and that glorious, glorious free kick. Um, what was your initial reaction when when you saw that, and I guess what what was the sense in that in that stadium? For me, it was just disbelief. Uh, you know, I've seen him hit some great free kicks on television in the past. I've seen Lionel Messi play in person a few times over the years. But I have never seen in person a better free kick. And I'm trying to think of a better free kick I've ever seen, period. I, I guess Roberto Carlos's free kick uh, back in 97 uh, for Brazil, where it just defied the laws of physics. I, yeah, that probably was a slightly better one. But this was unbelievable just to... Uh, See him from that distance, which Jurgen Klinsmann correctly pointed out should have been farther, by the way. They did move it up. But to hit the ball that well and to beat Brad Guzan on the side of the goal he was guarding. So the wall was on the left side. Guzan is on the right side facing Messi. And he beat, Me- or he beat Guzan on the right side in a perfect, perfectly placed ball in the upper corner that Guzan just couldn't get to. It's... I was sitting next to Brian. I was just like, what just happened? You know, like we were pretty high up in the stadium, actually. And it was just, for me, I've seen a lot of things over the years, but that was pure disbelief. Brian, was it one of those things where, where just the, the whole aura of the stadium kind of, you, you feel the magnitude of the moment? Uh, I mean, my first thought was that Argentina was going to win the game. <laughs> and that was it. You know, it was, it was, it was 2 nothing. Uh, that was such sort of a, a hammer blow exclamation point. Uh, 30 minutes or so into the game, uh, you know, for me, that the the competitive portion of the game ended uh, with that moment. Um, I don't worship free kicks the same way most people seem to. Uh, I'm a contrarian, uh, you know, in on that uh, in the, in that sense. I think hitting a moving ball is a lot more difficult than hitting a stationary ball. Uh, I think having a second to line up a shot is a lot more difficult than having minutes to line up a shot. I think uh, having no chance of a defender sliding into you or kicking you or or doing anything to you relieves a lot of the tension and pressure and stress uh, th- that that goes into a play. So yeah, it was a great free kick, but watching Messi from open play, watching him make decisions in split seconds and evade people and hit inch-perfect drop-on-a-dime passes with absolutely no time to line anything up or 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 you know sort of second-guess himself. That, to me, is what's extraordinary. Um, and he did that multiple times. So, uh, you know, that free kick, I, I saw him do more impressive things the other night, uh, you know, from the run of play. Um, and for me, that free kick was the end of the game. That's a really good point. And it's it's funny, right? I mean, you you even talked to some of these players, uh, the U.S. players, before the game and then asked about Messi and Michael Bradley's response was basically paraphrasing you know enough with the messy questions like we we get it we're gonna try and stop him and the rest of his teammates but like he's one guy and yada 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 and and it, it didn't matter Messi was so good that night and he's been so good since he's since he's come back from that back injury uh in this competition I, w- I would say this for the free kick the the build up to it right you you know the the drama building and 
and the feeling when uh, when a player of his stature is about to take it, and you you know you know what the what the aim is here, right? It's almost like when a when a prize slugger comes up to bat in the bottom of the ninth, and and the stadium kind of rises to that that fever pitch of of tension, you know, expecting either a home run or, or something big. Anyway, that's that's kind of the equivalent for me. Um, and to see a player deliver in that situation uh, with those expectations just takes it to a whole nother level. So. That combined with the fact that it basically was the nail in the coffin in that game um, made it made it a pretty spectacular moment. Um, now that that was always going to be a tall task for the U.S., uh, but but losing four nothing, not having a shot, period, uh, was pretty discouraging. Um, Grant, I, I guess what was the most discouraging aspect of the loss for the U.S.? Well, Argentina played great. You have to say that from the start. Uh, that said, I was disappointed in how the U.S. played from the start. Uh, we've seen U.S. teams over the years come up against world powers. Uh, and even in games when they haven't won, they haven't been this much out of it. Um, you know, and, and from the start, this U.S. team looked overmatched. The occasion looked too big. Uh, and there were individual breakdowns on the first goal that had such a big impact on the game itself. Uh, not just by one person, by several people, you know, from conceding the, the corner kick in the first place by Jossie Zardes to Kyle Beckerman uh, misplaying things to nobody putting any ball pressure on Messi when he delivered the pass to Brad Guzan not committing one way or the other. If you're going to come out, you got to come out and get it. And if you're not going to come out, then you need to be on your line. You can't go halfway. And so this was a team-wide breakdown. And that's frustrating because the U.S. in the past has been able to sort of keep its stuff together much better in those situations than they did here. Uh, So that's disappointing to me. I was also disappointed that there didn't seem like much of a plan. Uh, I remember when Bob Bradley's U.S. team beat Spain in the Confederations Cup semifinal. There was a very clear plan, and you could see it if you were watching the game, that they were going to force Spain to go out wide and take as many crosses as they could, but they weren't going to let Spain beat them through the middle. And whatever plan there was against Argentina, didn't it, it wasn't apparent. And uh, even if you give up a goal early, I know that's like getting a punch in the face. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't approach things with a plan afterward. I just didn't see it. Yeah, it certainly seemed like the wheels fell off even if, if they were on to begin with, which which it's unclear. Um, Brian, do you think that the the suspensions to the U.S. made uh, made a huge difference? Do you think it would have been a different result at all, a different result, at least in terms of the run of play, um, if Jermaine Jones, Alejandro Bedoya, and Bobby Wood were available? Yeah, I think it would have made a difference. I mean, maybe, you know, I don't know if it would have changed the score line, but again, we're talking about two different things here. We're talking about the result, what the scoreboard said, and then we'll, and then we're talking about what we watched during the 90 minutes, which was a team that, as Grant said, was not up for the occasion and was not, as U.S. teams are supposed to be, hard to play against. That was an easy game for Argentina, and it's not supposed to be easy when you're playing the U.S. And I think a lot of people understood the the discrepancy between the two teams and was just wanting to see the U.S. be tough to beat. Um, I think if Jermaine Jones is in the midfield, you know, when I was saying before about free kicks versus open play, when you've got Jermaine Jones marauding through midfield, 
that gives you a second thought. That doesn't make things as easy. If you've got Bobby Wood up top, you have a little bit of speed. You have a bit of a threat. Every time the ball turned over, you know, you, you, you'd you see Michael Bradley, Kyle Beckerman, uh, Graham Zussi pick their head up, and there was nowhere to go. Maybe if Bobby Wood is up top, maybe if he's threatened to pull a defender out with a run or try to get behind, there's somewhere for them to put that ball and giving something Argentina something they have to think about. You know, Wondolowski and Dempsey didn't do that. So, yeah, I think I think it would have made a difference. Maybe not in the score, maybe not in the result, but it would have made the U.S. harder to play against. Brian, with the, when the lineup came out, um, all, all the focus was on was on Wando. Um, Klinsman called it a like for like, uh, you know, kind of replacement with Wood. But I don't know that that's necessarily accurate. Uh, I, what, what would you have done differently lineup wise with the players available um, for the U.S.? Well, I, I guess I just sort of hinted at it. I, I thought Giassi's artist, who was probably the Americans' best player the other night, um, I thought he should have been high. I thought he should have been up Dempsey, uh, above Dempsey. Uh, Wando and Wood are not like for like. Uh, Wood has real pace and Wando does not. Um, so you put Zardis up there, and again, he's a guy who can start to run toward the corners, try to get in behind, stretch things a little bit, uh, be an outlet for a ball played from midfield when there isn't enough time uh, because of Argentina's pressure to build up some possession. I also would have taken a chance in moving Fabian Johnson into midfield for the same reason. Uh, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann said we needed a guy who could go at them. We needed a guy who could take chances, a guy who isn't afraid to go one-on-one. Well, Fabian Johnson could have been that guy and, and Matt Beasler. I mean, Argentina doesn't beat you with breathtaking speed. Matt Beasler could have played left back. I mean, he can read the game. He showed he could do it against Ecuador. Uh, so those are the two big changes I would have made, I think. Uh, uh, Zardes uh, up top. And then that gives you some options in right mid, you know, Nagby, uh, whomever. Uh, and then I would have put Johnson in the midfield. Grant, um, what, what about you as... I mean, I, it seemed like a, a lineup that was destined to not succeed uh, against Argentina. What, um, what kind of changes would you have made? Well, there are real challenges, I think, when you look at having three important starters being suspended. So I get it. But I would have taken a different approach than Klinsman did. Uh, and I would have said this before he announced that starting lineup. Uh, I agree with Brian. Zardis up top next to Dempsey would have been the better way to go than Wondolowski. Uh, I think Beesler would have been okay at left back. I wish Klinsman would have had Eric Lehigh or Tim Ream on the final roster as a, a left back replacement option. I think Fabian Johnson is a very good attacking midfielder in the German Bundesliga for a, a team that's quite good. And so I want to see him playing that position for the U.S. He could have done that in this game. Um, and I do think uh, Darlington Nagby, I thought this from the start, would have been somebody instead of Graham Zusi, who would have been much better suited to the occasion. Graham Zusi has had a good MLS career, a decent national team career, but there's no way he should be starting national team games at this point. He's not even playing that great in MLS this season either. And Nagby is a guy who at least would have been able to, uh, to deal with some of the Argentine pressure and not freak out if he was on the ball and saw an Argentine coming after him. And I think the U.S. sorely needed more of that against Argentina. So, you know, there's several options right there, and I'm still disappointed the Klinsman had Wanda on the team instead of Jordan Morris. Uh, that's inexplicable to me. Jordan Morris is a guy who could have played that position up top next to Clint Dempsey. 
Yeah, it's it's one of those things too where before the game, you know, it's all about, oh, we're going to take it to them, we're going to go for it, and then comes this lineup that says anything but that. I think if if you're going to lose, then then do it with with Nagby out there. See what you got and and I'm I'm kind of curious and and I know a lot of fans are as well as as what's the hold up? Why doesn't Klinsman apparently trust Nagby enough to to play him in this game? By all accounts, he's the kind of guy Brian like you were talking about that can take it a defender on one on one. He is a two way player. He he wouldn't ne- necessarily neglect any defensive responsibility on the field. And if it kind of felt like if the U.S. was going to try and and do something different and take it and be aggressive um, as much as they could against Argentina, that he would have been one of the guys on the field. And and even you know Pulisic, you know the debate you know seventeen okay, but he's played in high pressure situations in Germany. Like he's not an an average seventeen year old. And he came on later, didn't do much. He had the closest thing that the U.S. had to a shot. Uh, in the, in the game, which isn't exactly a moral victory, but um, you know maybe this was a a time to unleash him as well. These were fresh legs going against an Argentina side, an Argentina side that uh, had two fewer days of rest than the U.S. Um, so I just you know I, I said going into this game that we'd learn a lot about Klinsman as as the game manager on on a huge stage, and and I I don't think we learned um, you know, great things. Uh, I just, I don't think the U.S. was was set, set up to succeed all that well. And and all that being said, I think Argentina was winning this game no matter what. Um, you know, they are on a mission. They look very, very locked in right now. Um, and, and we'll get to the final matchup in, in a little bit, but I would consider them um, a favorite and almost a heavy favorite against a very good Chile side. Um, but before we get to that, let's talk about this third place game. It's the second straight summer the U.S. is going to be playing in a third place game. Uh, this one comes with a little more prestige than than the Gold Cup. You know, they're expected to win the Gold Cup or at least be in the final. This making the semifinal was was an accomplishment, and I think we can all recognize that. Um, all of that said, uh, is is there really a place for a third place game in a tournament like this? Grant, I'll start with you on on this. No, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> um, I think it belongs in the World Cup. I, I think finishing third in the world is something to be proud of. I think winning a bronze medal at a World Cup, uh, you see when teams have won that before, they, they, they're happy. Uh, they, they, they believe it's something to celebrate. Um, that's a World Cup. I think in the Continental Championships, yeah, they're ridiculous. Uh, no reason for it. Um, leave it for the World Cup and the World Cup alone. Uh, everyone should go home now. Even Michael Bradley after the game, uh, Fox had him uh, you know, on the field or, or in the locker room, or on the way to the locker room anyway, uh, right after the game. Asked him about the third place game, and he he just bluntly said um, something along the lines of "I, I question why it even exists." Um, and then he went on to say that they're going to be professional about it and try and win and put their best foot forward, of course. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I think it's it's asinine. Um, and you know, there's there's arguments to to whether it, it merits you know a, a greater takeaway from the tournament. But if you're looking to compare the U.S. to to bronze winners at Copa America, Peru is one third in the last two Copa Americas. Does the U.S. want to be seen in the same light as Peru? <laughs> I nothing against Peru, which which showed well in this tournament, uh, has good players and is a good team. But like that's that's not where Klinsman wants this program to be. Um, you know, Klinsman wants the program to be on the Argentina Brazil line, if you will. And so, you know, to me, I don't think it really matters if they win third or, or fourth in this competition. Grant, do you think that this tournament will be looked back on any differently if the U.S. wins third? 
Well, there certainly will be people who take the third place game into account. And if the U.S. gets blown out against Colombia, that would be uh, not viewed positively. I'm not going to put too much stock myself into what happens in the third place game. I don't think you can basically ever take larger lessons about a team from a third place game because you just don't know how anyone on either team is, is viewing this. Uh, just as if the U.S. blows out Colombia in this game, I'm not going to say that this is some huge moment. It's not. Um, I, in some ways, I think third place games, I guess you could look at as a way to measure how professional you are uh, because there's not a heck of a lot on the line. But honestly, I just don't think there's much at stake here. Yeah, and you do wonder how Colombia is going to be treating this game coming off of a, a two-hour rain-delayed loss to Chile in which they felt job by the referees for not calling a penalty and then having a player sent off. Um, it, it just could be a, a situation where they're just kind of checked out. Brian, what, what about you? Do you think it, it really matters for the U.S. third or fourth? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with, with you guys. I mean, like I said, I mean, it has a place in the World Cup, not here. You know, I guess maybe we find out, you know, I covered the third place game at the Gold Cup. It was total misery. Uh, you know, no one on the U.S. looked like they wanted to be there. Um, you know, maybe this is a, I don't know if you, you can draw any conclusion from it. Maybe it's a sense of, you know, whether or not Klinsman really has the pulse of his team. You know, I would like to see, you know, maybe there are 11 guys on the team who care. Maybe there are 11 guys or 15 guys who really want to win this game, whether it's to finish on a high or to win a medal or to beat Columbia after having lost to them. And, you know, maybe Klinsman has, has a sense of who those guys are. Maybe he can read the locker room and, and read his team and figure out who really wants to win this game and, and get those guys on the field. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's a, it's a flimsy appetizer for Sunday. Yeah. And it's almost like a, a, a high profile friendly with just really expensive tickets that it's, it's better to win. It's better to look good. It's better for confidence if you win, uh, especially considering that there are no more games until world cup qualifiers in September. So um, you know, what, what do you want the last taste in your mouth to be if you're a U.S. player going into those? So, you know, that's at stake, I guess. But but that's kind of, you know, digging a little deep. Um, that said, let's move on to a game that does have stakes, the final. Uh, Argentina-Chile, a, a, a matchup of two very deserving teams. I don't think anyone is going to argue that. Um, Grant, this is a rematch of last year. Argentina is on a mission. Right, twenty-three years without a, a senior trophy. Um, what's what's really at stake here, though, for for Nicolas Odomendi? is his legacy. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even get through that without laughing. Messi. Uh, everyone everyone talks about how Messi needs an international trophy with with Argentina. Win or lose, is is his legacy at stake on Sunday? No, because people are going to measure by the World Cup, not by the Copa America. But I do think. If Argentina wins this tournament, it probably helps them in their preparations for the World Cup in 2018 to sort of get this talking point behind them of it's been so long since you've won a major trophy. Then the talking point can become, why haven't you won a World Cup, Leo Messi? Um, <laughs> but that said, Argentina has been fantastic in this tournament. And when I did interview Lionel Messi before the Copa America, he talked a good game about you know, being sincere about how this tournament was important for them to come here and win. He was really looking forward to it and getting an opportunity to play in the U.S. in competitive games for the first time. And you know what? He's backed it up. I mean, it's it's really impressive, actually, to see how he's played in this tournament that could have gone 
badly for him. He came in with an injury from a pre-tournament friendly. He was dealing with tax issues in Spain just a few days before this tournament started. You know, he comes in against Panama as a sub and has a hat trick in 19 minutes. And from that point onward, he's been totally engaged with everything about this tournament. I feel like we've gotten to see Lionel Messi at the height of his powers in the United States against the United States as well. And it's it makes you feel good about the sport and what this sport is all about when you see stuff like that. So I have a big smile on my face when I think of what Lionel Messi has done in this tournament. But that said, from his perspective, everything that he's done in this tournament will probably not be worth much to him if they don't win the final against a very good Chile team that has improved throughout the tournament since they lost against Argentina in the opening game. And that was a terrific game, but Argentina was clearly the better team. Since then, Chile has improved to the point where I don't think Argentina is a heavy favorite entering this game, especially with the doll back for Chile, especially with the way Chile destroyed Mexico and destroyed Colombia in the first half of that game and basically put that out of reach. Yeah, Messi, five goals, five assists, um, and, and he missed significant time of this competition as well, but it's one of those things too where he's he's in line for a golden ball again, like he was in in the World Cup in 2014. But like you said, it's it's not going to matter unless they're lifting the the big trophy at the end. Um, Brian, when when you look at this matchup, um, do you see uh, Argentina as as the overwhelming favorite, or no? Do you kind of agree with Grant that that it's more evenly evenly poised? I, I guess I, I don't know. I don't know what overwhelming means. Yeah, they're the favorite. I, I would I expect them to win. I think they're going to win. Um, I think that they're 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 motivated. They're clicking. Um, you know, and they and their depth is absurd. I mean, we're we're sitting here talking about you know a, an easy four nothing win over the U.S. Uh, Sergio Aguero and uh, Di Maria didn't even play. They didn't even get on the field. So I mean, they they just have they have weapons to spare that would start for basically every other team in the world. So. Um, you know, I don't know how to define overwhelming. I don't, I don't know how odds work, uh, but uh, I'm expecting them to win. This team is on a mission. I mean, it's not a World Cup, but it is a, a major international title, and Messi doesn't have one at the senior level. And the distance between zero and one is, is more than one. It's, it's, it's a massive thing for him to be able to check off to win something for his country uh, while he's still in his prime. So, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to want to do it for him. I think they're going to want to do it to end the drought. Um, I think they're going to, I mean, they're, they're five and zero in this tournament. I think 18 and two on goal difference. Uh, this, this is to finish off a, a month of, of, of beautiful soccer. It's to finish off, uh, a, you know, a third consecutive year at a major final, finally feeling good about themselves. Um, and I don't know, I mean, yeah, Chile's a good team. It wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, you know, quit the business and become a sheep herder if Chile wins, but, uh, I don't expect them to. Sheep herding. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's all right. Uh, <laughs> these two teams combined um, have have outscored their opponents like crazy in the knockout stage. Argentina eight to one in its two games. Uh, Chile nine zero. Uh, as we wrap up this tournament as a whole, uh, how important is it that this is a a good entertaining final? I think we've seen a lot of good entertaining soccer in this Copa America, and Copa America doesn't always have that. Sometimes you get just a lot of physical games that end in penalties. Uh, but there's there's nothing in the run of play. How important is it for the perception of the tournament? Uh, and Grant, I'll start with you on this, that that it's just a, a good entertaining final. 
Well, look, how many times have we seen big finals that are disappointing in how the play turns out? So, I mean, sure, I'd love to see an open final that is worthy of the occasion. And I kind of think we will, based on how these teams have played in this tournament. I know they had a 0-0 last year in the final down in Chile that went to penalties. Uh, that was a little underwhelming overall. But um, I'm always an optimist when it comes to these things, and I think it's certainly possible that we could see something uh, you know, that we really do remember. Uh, I hope that's the case. But, you know, looking at the tournament as a whole, I think overall this tournament has been pretty fun to watch. You know, my big question heading in was whether the South American teams would take it seriously and you could only tell by seeing how they responded from the opening whistle. And uh, with a couple of exceptions, like Brazil, I think the the South American teams really did come to play. Um, and I'm going to look back fondly on this tournament. I hope I look fondly back on the final. Brian, what about you? Um, well, Brazil didn't come to play, but they did take it seriously, right? Because Dunga doesn't have a job anymore. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think, to me, that's been the best thing about the tournament, is that that question has been answered uh, pretty emphatically with a yes, uh, that, that that people didn't want to win. Um, you know, two coaches have lost their jobs. The effort's been there. Uh, the passion has been there. Um, so, so that, to me... Uh, validates this tournament in a sense that that the champion whoever wins Sunday really can feel that they won something significant because I feel like teams have been trying uh you know Brazil was inept uh it wasn't that they weren't they weren't interested um so for me again it comes down to Argentina it comes down to team looking to to end uh, a really frustrating streak of losing finals not only losing finals but getting shut out in finals they didn't score against Germany and Rio they didn't score last year against Chile uh, so they're going to want to be on the front foot. That's going to open the game up, um, and I think we're going to see a good back-and-forth final. And, uh, you know, like Grant said, I, I think most people have seen something in this tournament that they'll remember, and, and hopefully Sunday's included. Absolutely. I'll give you I'll give you one name that's not Lionel Messi that I think uh, can and, and could very well be the difference, and that's Gonzalo Higuain. Brian, you referenced those two finals. Um, he had chances to win or to score, at least, in both of them, very good chances. Uh, he enters this game on form. Uh, both from the season he had at Napoli and, and then what he's done in the last couple of games in this competition. Uh, if there's one guy not named Messi who's got a lot to prove in this final, it's him. Uh, and I, I think I could see him scoring at least a goal or two um, to help decide things. And I'm personally picking Argentina to win. But that said, I don't think it would surprise anybody if Chile went back to back. It's going to be a great game. I'm excited for it. Uh, and, and you all should be as well. Um, we'll have it covered from, from every angle. So definitely check out Planet Football for that in the buildup and afterwards. Uh, and I think that's that's going to do it for us. Um, Brian Grant, thank you guys as always. Thanks to Alex Abnos, our producer. I am Avi Creditor. We'll talk to you next time on the Planet Football Podcast. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.